From Engaged Cornell, I'm Natalie Breikoff, and this is Shifting and Shaping, a podcast on community members who are shaping a new American paradigm. From myself and the poll workers from Alice Cookhouse, the story of Election Day 2020. It's Monday, November 2nd. I have to get to the polling place at 5.30 in the morning, and then I'm working from 6 a.m. to 9 p.m., which, according to my calculations, is about 15 hours of work for $200, which I decided I'm going to donate to the NAACP Legal Defense Fund. I'm in it to show face, and I'm in it for democracy, and I could not be happier to say that. I could not be more proud to be a poll worker tomorrow. Despite the outcome of the election, working at as a poll worker is a really unique experience. And I feel like it's going to be one where it's patriotic. Patriotic in the sense that I'm excited to support the, the very freedoms that we take for granted a lot. And it's such a beautiful thing to be a part of the resistance to keep democracy in check and to make sure that people today, tomorrow, and hundreds of years to come still have the freedoms that are protected under the Constitution. And I'm really excited to have a taste of that for the first time tomorrow. Across the country, there was both terror and anticipation as Americans casted their votes for the next president-elect. An election conducted in a haze of polarizing hostility, separation, and tragedy. I knew this day would be far from typical. I woke up to the usual pang of my alarm. It's officially 5.10 in the morning, and I'm feeling pretty good. I'm not super tired. I've kind of been up all night in anticipation of right now, so it's been easier to wake up. have my car keys couple masks just in case all of them break which probably won't happen i'm ready to go i think i'm the only one up in the entire college town which is interesting and definitely a first probably a last and it's cool because all of america is waking up now or at least this side of the country and they're getting ready for work and they're some of them are coming to the polls before work. My drive to the Alice Cook polling place took about five minutes. I don't know what today is gonna be like. It's a day of so much angst. My friend is bringing me coffee in an hour and a half, so God bless her for doing that for me. It's 49 degrees, so it's not too cold, but I brought a lot of layers because I could be outside being some sort of line enforcer. When I arrived, there were four other poll workers and a police officer moving fast to set up the polling place, which was scheduled to open in 30 minutes. A veteran poll worker was setting up the ballot processor in the back of the room as a huddle of workers assembled the poll pads used to check in and verify voters. First task as a poll worker at 5.30 in the morning is to put up signs that say polling place, directing to the polling place. The good uh, morale in the air right now. We'll see if that wears away fast. 
The job itself was monotonous, but my coworkers were friendly and engaging. All of them, except one, were 40 years my senior. We were split three to two by our political party affiliation. It's taboo for poll workers to talk about our own beliefs with each other. In the polling place, it's illegal to mention politics at all. On the most political day of my life, this paradox intrigued me. In a break room out of earshot from voters, we all spoke about the unspeakable. Okay, I'm with Ed, who is a fellow poll worker at my site at Cornell on West Campus. Poll worker here at Ellis Cook House, and I've been doing it for three cycles. The one thing I like about it is you're really um, supporting the community by being here and helping out with uh, voters and, and getting people processed. It's, it's rewarding because, you know, you're really doing something for the community. I spoke with Ed about the considerations he made in deciding to work the polls during the pandemic. You know, Tompkins County, I, I, um, I live just outside of Ithaca, and Tompkins County's been really controlled with COVID, and it helps me decide to come and do this, because if it was another county where, like, Broome County has taken off, I, I'd be like, gee, I can't do it. And I know that you're the Republican representative for the poll workers here, and you have there has to be Republican and Democratic poll workers in, per a particular site. So how do you how is that coming into this election? How are you going into the polling place in this heavily Democratic county? What's that like for you? But yeah, I mean, it is it is a, um, a different environment since these last four years, obviously. I've seen good Republicans, I've seen bad Republicans, I've seen good Democrats, I've seen bad Democrats. So I've talked to Republicans and in Tompkins County, and they're, they're not like some of the Republicans that I've seen around the country, as we've all seen on the news. What is your attachment to the party? I am, really have been, for years, been a Democrat. And I turned Republican after Donald Trump became president because I wanted to vote for anyone on the Republican ticket other than him. That's why I became Republican. Ed, unlike most critics of President Trump, joined the Republican Party to oust the president by voting against him in the Republican primary. This struck me as counterintuitive, but it highlighted the complex rationale that goes into political affiliation and voting choices. And we were talking earlier about how there are so many Democrats in this county that it's really hard for Democrats to get a job as a poll worker and how Republicans, since there are a lot less of them and we need them in polling sites, it's a lot easier. Think about it from a poll worker perspective that I'd, in Tompkins County, automatically get a job. You know, that didn't apply, apply to me at all. So, um, so I decided actually to just go independent in the middle and, and then I can go either way depending upon what they need. So you're more interested in like central, centrist policy. I mean, if I were if I were to think about a Republican that I would vote for, uh, somebody like John Kasich out of Ohio, mm -hmm. I think he's really got a good head on his shoulders. It seemed that despite his Republican Party affiliation, Ed would be voting for Joe Biden this election. How are you feeling on this election day? <sighs> Anxious, I guess is the word for me. I can't see another four years of what we've already had.
Next, I spoke to Republican poll worker Steve Felker. If you look at Ithaca, Ithaca is the place where the old adage that all politics is local is totally true, but local may mean literally neighborhood by neighborhood. What's your headspace with this election? Our polls and our election system are really the wheels of democracy in so many parts of the world. And as um, my profession is actually, I'm actually a Christian minister in a church right nearby campus. And then my other finger on the pulse of our society is that I'm a firefighter locally with one of the volunteer fire agencies adjacent to campus. Steve's professional life has helped frame his opinion that there should be little government intrusion in everyday life. To facilitate people engaging the democratic process is to me just, that's part of what it means to be a citizen. I'm privileged that I get a lot of control over my work hours. That allows me in this election to move my day off to Tuesday to be here because that's, that's what I can do to just give that part to the community. And from a religious standpoint, as a minister, where do you fall? Where does that fall into your role as a poll worker? To me, I guess my my identity, I'm going to say, as a faithful Christian, is that I need to love my neighbor. I need, if I can, to leave this world in a better place than I found it. And so to me, you know, to serve, the, Jesus himself said, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. And, and so to be able to, again, step in here, serve something bigger than myself, serve other people uh, by facilitating a safe, solid environment that's organized and, and faithful for them to be able to vote is, that's just a huge way of loving my neighbor. I feel like it's been interesting because the country's so polarized now by different parties. And then here we're in this room and we're not supposed to talk about politics. There are people who make their money on separating us. And um, it is the neat thing. And I think we even in this room could talk politics together or at least political issues. And we can do it civilly. You and I are from opposite parties, but we're sitting at the same table looking at the person who comes to the door, both of us on mission of this person needs to be facilitated to vote. That's our purpose for here, whatever. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, whatever else we might think differently about on things. But if we can take that out further and just say, hey, wait a minute. And, and this is where I like to go with political and religious conversations with people, rather than the political hot button issue that we're working with. What are your values? What are the things you treasure? Okay, you know what, I'm guessing if you sit down with a group of people, far left to far right, you can say, what do you want for your children? And they're gonna say the same thing. During some of the Black Lives Matter marches where you have seen the police officers come out, link arms with the marchers, take a knee with the marchers, they have effectively invited those people to reframe the story they're telling themselves and the emotional reaction that they're having. Mm -hmm to talk with those people and say, do you have kids? I do too. Can I see a picture of your kids? And to start humanizing one another again. Steve's words rang true and resonated with me. You know, one of the things that, and I'm in the fire service, I've been doing that for over 20 years now. And one of the things we talk about is when, when, you, when you hit an incident and, and it's a train wreck and there's people hanging out the window screaming, we talk about the emotion of that driving you into a tunnel vision, 
what's actually really important and going on in the broader picture. You see that person hanging out the window, and, and that's else. and that's all you see. Yeah. You yeah, you could be very much missing the fact the that the roof house. that the roof is sagging over there. Yeah. And that means this place is about to actually collapse. There's whole lots of ways that we emotionally tunnel vision. It's, I feel like a lot of the country is in an emotional tunnel right now. Right. And stepping back and 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 actively pursuing broader channels of input. I had an assistant chief one time who said, when you show up at a fire, my opinion, the first thing you should do is get off the truck and light a cigarette. And I said, what do you mean? That's insane. And, but what he was actually describing was get off the truck and stop. De-escalate the emotion, look, take in the whole scene don't tunnel and that was his kind of description of here's the mechanism to break up your tunnel as joe biden and donald trump said their final campaign statements to a divided nation millions tuned in to election results rumors on social media claimed that people were altering and destroying trump ballots yet while all of this was happening outside in the polling place, I felt far from the political diatribe that permeated into our status quo. So I, I could encourage anybody, it's like, you know what the main channels are of information and or diatribe <laughs> of the other side. Just every now and then go poke in and ask yourself, what are they seeing that I might not be seeing? What are they valuing that's different than my values, but that I might need to reflect on? Can I ask you who you voted for in this election? You don't have to answer if you don't want to. Yeah, I, I, I voted my party, with one exception. There's a county court judge here, but his vision for the well-being of people in this community who need who are struggling, need help, and his willingness to really reach out and work overtime just moved my heart. The county judge was helping Steve's church to assist the children of imprisoned opioid addicts. Our conversation humbly reminded me that there are many environmental factors that go into shaping political opinion. Although my policy views are diametrically opposed to Steve's, it was a beautiful thing to be reminded that the values that we hold dear are the same. I received a much more pragmatic perspective of the election from Democratic poll workers Sean and Lucia. I suspect that things will still end up being fine in the long run for democracy. I'd be more worried about if the polarization continues under either president. But the thing is, the federal government doesn't run elections. State governments do. And a lot of the Republican officials, even if they're doing some voter suppression-y things, with some exceptions, have been reasonable saying, no, we're going to count all the ballots, we're going to get everything in. So I think, I think that our democracy is going to end up being, being fine in the long run. It's a very personal thing. I see it as basically the possibility that there's hope. And if that hope is dashed, I'd see it at the beginning of the end. This is a nonpartisan space. There are people here that have different political views. Yes. And for me, this is like the first time that I was interacting with Republican Trump supporters in a very 
non-political way. Mm -hmm. So that was new for me. Yeah. How has that been for you? I've worked with the other Pulse Light manager for, for a long time, and I know him. And he's a wonderful, warm individual. And we actually agree on a lot of things, and we disagree on a lot of things politically. But we're both open to accepting that the other person has a right to have those beliefs. You don't have to beat me over the head with it. But, you know, I know it's there, but it is the way of life. We did have a little disagreement earlier among us about something that happened. A friend of mine said that one of the, at one of the other polling sites in, locally um, that somebody walked in with a Black Lives Matter shirt or hat or something and that the poll worker made them take it off or turn it around. That's not even like a political thing. No, it's not. Some of the um, the other Republican people who work here said, oh, no, that's a political statement. And myself and one of the other Republican workers said, no, it's not. You know, just those are those are a lot of the fine minutia of, of being a poll worker is kind of understanding those when it's not simply written out and we have to you know, make decisions. Lucia recalled her most meaningful experience in her 20 years of working the polls. I was at a soup kitchen um, registering a man who was probably, I'd say, in his 50s, um, helping him. I asked him if he was registered to vote, and he said, no, he said, I can't vote. And I said, why not? And he said, because I've served time in prison. And I said, well, there's no reason why you can't vote now. And he just looked at me and said, they told me I was never going to be able to vote again. And so he, I got him signed up, and he had tears in his eyes as he was signing, you know, signing up to vote. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. And it's just, from what I've seen from today, it's just I realize how much of a privilege it is to be able to exercise the right to vote. What do you think that needs to happen with voter suppression? What can poll workers do in the future to combat this? Keep working the polls. Keep encouraging other people to come and work the polls. And I think keep each other in check. After a long 16-hour day, the polls were finally closed. We've had about 115 people vote, and now it's nine. It was a great time serving. The polls are officially closed. Now we're just cleaning up, unplugging the, the voter pads and the printer, and it was a great day. I left the polling place on election day with a restored sense of an American identity. On Saturday, November 7th, Joe Biden's election victory was projected, rebuffing efforts by President Trump to delay the process. You can help people exercise their right to vote by donating to the NAACP Legal Defense Fund for voting rights. That's it for Shifting and Shaping. I'm Natalie Breikoff. See you next week.